and surrender all. Is there anything less American? We bow before the king. I can't imagine how many people gave their lives because they wouldn't a few hundred years ago. And yet that's exactly what Thanksgiving is all about. I hope you had a very nice Thanksgiving and we have very much to be thankful for. I've got some quick announcements before we jump into our text this morning. Some 40 years ago, I was what IBM referred to as a certified business partner. And like Tony, IBM liked their TLAs. You know what a TLA is? A three-letter acronym. <laughs> so I was a CBP for IBM. And the reason that they do things like that is because it turns out that TLAs make things memorable. They help us to remember important things when we need a hook. We need something to remind us because sometimes things get a little too complicated or sometimes we overcomplicate. It's up, sometimes it's on us. But we're going to use we're going to use a bunch of them, and we're going to start right now in the announcement concerning FBN. Some of you are new to Grace. You don't even know what FBN is. We throw it around around here like everybody knows. Everybody knows. Everybody doesn't know. Field by Night is we just completed what? OCC, right? What does that stand for? See what I'm talking about? You already got it. Right? Operation Christmas Child, 2,354 boxes that were put together by you. You. And that, OCC, is our global outreach. Now, if you're new to Grace, you wouldn't know that we do something. God bless you. <laughs> you would not know that we have been doing something here even longer than we've been doing OCC, and that is FBN. Thank you very much, everyone. What is FBN? Thank you very kindly. So what that is, is our local response. That's our local outreach that's very similar and right on the heels of OCC. So you can't run out of juice. You got you to keep going because it's coming up. And there is... It blows my mind that there are still, there are over 100 churches in Decatur County. And I would be willing to make a bet that there are more cars at the Walmart and the boat basin than collectively at the churches. How does that change? How does that change? It's a tired cliche, but it's the truth. One person at a time. And we have a gift that it was put on the hearts of the elders and 
whoever way before my time, that we were going to give this gift to the city. It cannot, just like OCC, it cannot and will not happen without you. As John likes to say, plain and simple. We need you. We need you to sign up. We need you to get in the app, and we need you to do that. And I'm running through my time here, and I'm on this. I'm still on my first point. Whoops. Next up. Some of you have seen the picture that hopefully is going to get up on the screen here recently and wondered about this proposed expansion here on campus. Let me just say that there is a ton of stuff going on. You may not have heard about it yet. That's somewhat intentional because we didn't want another ready fire aim. We want to let you guys, you know, we're building up a lot of things going on. And much like OCC and FBN, if the Lord is going to do an expansion on this campus. We've got some big plans, i got to tell you. They're big. It's going to require sacrifice. It's going to require a lot. It's going to require you, just like OCC and FBN. Without you, not going to happen. So as tempting as it is for me to keep going on about this, we have some really meaty texts this morning, so let's pray and get into it. Father, thank you so much for your love for us your willingness to die in our place, your willingness to give us grace and forgiveness and how patient you are with us. And we're just thankful, Lord. That's what last week was about. It was the fact that you are long-suffering and patient, and we are grateful for that. We're very thankful as your people here. And we, I pray, Lord, that the words that you have on my heart for this morning will touch a live or two here this morning, change the direction maybe of how they're doing their, their life for the kingdom. For I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I have messed up, guys, by whatever. Living letters. Last week, John mentioned that this section of the letter between 2.14 and chapter 7, verse 5, are commonly referred to as Paul's great digression. Why? Because Paul returned, he doesn't return to Titus until chapter 7, but between, he covers briefly a ton of topics. First, as we learned last week, Paul penned that beautiful metaphor comparing believers and unbelievers to a fragrance and that aromas of both life and death with respect to our relationship with God. This week, there are two three-verse thoughts, just three verses, each one. And Paul will cover two very different topics, and yet they are very related. We begin with verses 1 in chapter 3. Read along with me. Are we beginning to praise ourselves again? Are we like others who need to bring our, you, you letters of recommendation or who ask you to write such letters on their behalf? Surely not. The only letter of recommendation we need is you yourselves. Your lives are a letter written on our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. One commentator that I read suggested that the second, letter, the second Corinthians letter is the most personal of all Paul's extant writings. Okay, I had to look that up. All of the 
letters still in existence. So I learned a new word this week. It's an excellent example of why you should read more than one commentator, because if you're going to ask, I can't imagine any more personal letters than Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. So it was clearly a difficult letter for Paul, but his most personal? Nah. Letters aren't as common as they used to be, and they're certainly not our primary means of communication. The fact that technology has written or rendered handwritten letters a thing of the past, and, and you know, if you're anybody's asking, I don't necessarily think it's a great thing, but we, that is your pastors here, still write handwritten notes to, to some of you every week who we see are actively engaged in what Jesus is doing here at Grace. Those of you who are intentionally resisting the tsunami of culture and peer pressure to live a life as a means of glorifying God. This, I believe, is at the heart of what Paul is saying to the Corinthians in these three verses. One type of letter that is still relevant is called a letter of recommendation. And I wrote one for somebody recently, and I can tell you that if you agree to write one, especially for someone you care about, it takes time. You find yourself carefully weighing your words, and you have a responsibility to both the person that you've committed to do this for and the one that you're writing to to give an honest assessment of that individual, which makes verse 2 all the more significant. Paul says to the, that the Corinthians are themselves the letter, living letters, written on his heart, a letter of recommendation, not from him, from Christ, and that anyone could look at them and recognize his good effort. Wow. Two things struck me from this verse. First was the boldness of Paul. Anyone who reads it reads what? The kind of living letters that the Corinthians were could see them and recognize good work among them. They were Paul's evidence of his ministry among them, a letter not written with ink but by the Spirit of God, which led to my second thought, which is how would Jesus describe me in a letter of recommendation? How would Jesus describe you as a result of my ministry and the ministry of every one of us that teach here? That's pretty heavy. And if that wasn't tough enough, then how do you think your letter of recommendation from Jesus would read? How would he describe your efforts so far for his kingdom? Those are not comfortable questions. Why? Because I realize probably, like many of you, right this second, that no matter how much I'm doing for Jesus, it pales in comparison to what God has done for me and for you. Paul knows exactly, you know, I was going to write, a, I wrote a whole bit on different kinds of letters. Letters to the editor, complaint letters, all these kind of letters. 
they're not, that, that, that kind of stuff is not helpful. It might be clever, but it's not helpful. Right? Paul knows exactly how bad the Corinthians were behaving. And yet, this is what he writes. How badly they were missing the mark. And if you're relatively new to the faith, the word sin is not a word that you use every day. It's a church word. I got several of them today. And sin is an archery term. It simply means to miss the mark. Every one of us in this room, to one degree or another, are missing it. And it's, it's one of these things where the Corinthians quite possibly could have been the worst of all of his churches. I mean, the way they were still behaving. And what is he saying about them here? He's praising them. They are the evidence of his ministry. So is he trying a little reverse psychology? Perhaps. Commentators are split on that, by the way. Regardless of their opinion, my life experience tells me what Paul is doing here, which I firmly believe is intentional, and God must approve because this one is part of the extant. You know, this is one of the four letters that he wrote that made it to, to the canon. All right? So what, what it, Paul is doing is lifting them up in writing here, don't miss this, to what they should be based on what they know. As a reflection, he poured his life into them, and yet they're a mess. Every one of us in this room, to one degree or another, is falling short of the mark. Every one of us, me included. And Paul is lifting them up to what they are here. Don't miss this too. What they are spiritually in Christ. You see, whether you feel it or not, whether you're running the race well, the race well or terribly, whether you're a live, you know, whatever kind of living letter you are, you are an ambassador for Christ. What are people seeing? We'll talk more about being ambassadors for Christ when we get to chapter 5. But for now, the words of Maya Angelou come to mind. She, she was a great black poet. and she, her, this, I, I use this all the time. When you know better, you do better. Or at least you should. Words carved into your heart are far more meaningful than words carved into stone. You can write a plaque that says, I love you, and you can put it and you can post it in the house. But if you don't actually show love to the people in your house, the plaque is meaningless. Paul is drawing the Corinthians and our collective attention back to why the way we live matters. Because these three verses, believe it or not, are merely a preamble to what he's got for us in the next three. They're just a setup for what he's about to write next, verse 4. We are confident of all this because of our great trust in God through Christ. Don't read that too quickly. It is not that we think that we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of his 
new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death. But under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. What a marvelous pivot. In less than 10 verses, Paul has gone from how the Corinthians were a pleasing aroma to God, how their letters of recommendation and a reflection of his ministry, until he gets to the real heart of the matter. His, that is Paul's confidence, and theirs should not be in themselves. It is in God. Look again with me at the last eight words on the screen. Eight words that sum up not just Paul's immediate point. I would go so far as to say they sum up how Christianity differs from every religion on the face of the earth. Not just then, now. Because under the new covenant, the spirit gives life. Not how good you are. Not how little you miss the mark. Sin. Not how generous you are by how much you give, none of that matters. For under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. Now, most if not all of you are aware that there are many different types of churches. What sets them apart? Well, many things. But certainly one of the most obvious would be as fundamental as differing views of the gospel. What constitutes the good news? And we covered this pretty extensively on a flyover, the book of Ephesians, a little while back. But some Christian faith traditions are founded on a principle that our efforts are as instrumental to the gospel as anything that God has done. Which, I'm going to tell you, that doesn't square with Scripture. Some go far as to say that they declare that our efforts are the gospel. And that's under the banner of a Christian church, technically. This might even be a question that's come on to your mind as well. So it got me to thinking, was there a way, something very simple, something basic, that could help every one of us, no matter how far we may or may not be along in, going along in our faith walk, to remember the basics of the gospel. And the gospel is simply this. Ready? It's another TLA. A-J-B. It's the all Jesus believers gospel. All have sinned and fall short of God's holiness. Anybody can say that. Anybody can remember that. Jesus didn't fall short. He's the only one who's ever lived, and therefore he was an acceptable sacrifice to God for all of the shortfalls that we have. You can button that up. You can shorten that up. Jesus didn't fall short and was acceptable to the Father for our sin. J. B. Believe that about yourself and Jesus, and guess what? You are saved. That is why the good news, the gospel, is so good. Because you don't have to have a college degree to get that. 
You don't even have to have one to share it. You don't have to theologically understand any of it. The gospel is why we're here today for real. Grace Church exists because of the gospel. All the things that we do come after. Everything about why we're here is centered on the middle letter of the acronym. If Jesus wasn't perfect, if he didn't do what needed to be done, this is a waste of time. For real. One more thing about the new, that, that word, the new covenant. Okay, covenant, another church word. Right? It's like sin. How many of you used the word covenant this week? My guess, zero. Hasn't even been a common word for over 500 years. And if you've been reading along in KJV, which is what, 500 years almost, 400, you know, another, you'd have New Testament. Oh, that's a word we're all using all the time. You know what our modern word for that is? Contract. Contract. So we've already covered gospel. Let me give you, now listen, none of you, all of you know I'm not from the South, so I'm not even gonna kid you, you know, but if I was gonna try my very best at a Southern version of American English, it would go something like this. He, that is God, has made us joyful ministers of his new contract with humanity. This is a contract not written by lawyers, but on our hearts by his Holy Spirit. Keep going. The old contract ultimately proved unworkable, always ended in death. This new contract, the one that has me, that's Paul, so excited, is that it doesn't rely on us. It, don't re it doesn't rely on me. It doesn't rely on you. It didn't rely on Paul. Who does it rely on? It relies on Jesus and his Holy Spirit. That is the good news and the reason why Paul was so excited and willingly gave up his freedom, took beatings, was most li he most likely had one of the most privileged lives you could have in Judaism. I mean, if you go through his, his resume, it's pretty spectacular amongst Judaism. Gave it all up. Counted it as filthy rags, nothing. He counted everything as loss for having gained Christ. I wish I could say that about me. Yeah, I've made some changes. I've made some adjustments. Some of you know a lot of them. You know, but we all know we could do more. We all know we have other priorities. We're trying to get every single thing out of this life, which the book of 1 John has an awful lot to say about. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad. 
trying to get you to think in terms of what little steps you can make, what changes you can make. So let me see if I can tie this all together. How would your letter of recommendation from Jesus read today? If Jesus agreed to write one for you, how would it read, and how would he describe you as his living letter? Be honest with yourself. Imagine you're standing in front of Jesus, and he's reading it to you. How do you feel today? Uncomfortable? I would. Possibly even a bit embarrassed. Here's my advice to you. Don't be. Because the way you feel means nothing. I know that that's a harsh thing to say, but Jeremiah 17, 9 was written for a reason. That our heart is desperately wicked and able to what? Deceive. Our feelings deceive us. I want to remind everybody here that we're reading the words from a guy named Paul who was initially Saul and did what? He killed Christians. That was his job. And he was good at it. I'm fairly confident none of you are murderers. You can, all you have to do is make a decision to alter what you're doing for the kingdom. That's it. That's what the good news should inspire. None of us have legitimate excuses. We've all heard them. And I've said this before recently. It all sounds like the dog ate my homework. It just does. If you were standing in front of Jesus, you wouldn't try any of them. Any of them. So make changes and make them now. Start simple. I've been told that it takes 10,000 hours of practice to become a concert pianist. 10,000 hours. That's a minimum of five work years for any of us that are normal. But every pianist likely started by playing something as ridiculously simple as chopsticks. <laughs> Still not reading your Bible every day? Still not bothering with even a simple devotion? Too busy? Instead of feeling bad about it, do something different. Take a cue from Thanksgiving last week. We were giving thanks, not just because of how good God is to us. If that's where you were concentrating, you missed the big deal. It's how patient God is with us and gracious to us. That's why Thanksgiving is so awesome. Be thankful that God is slow to anger, gracious, and patient. And now that you've reminded yourself of that, start doing something different. Not tomorrow, not next year, this afternoon. Hands. Hands are what we do with what God reveals to us. That was what was on John's heart when he kind of came up with this thing. You know, what we're, you know, how's, did I skip heart? No, that was heart. This was a hard message on me, too. You should try writing this stuff and then reading it back to yourself. 
Hands are what we do. Perhaps is it simple as that gospel anagram or acronym, however you like it. A J B. Repeat it to yourself. I'm told if you do anything for every day for three weeks, it's a habit you can't forget. There's an idea. All are sinners. Jesus wasn't. You don't have to remember all the rest of that. Jesus wasn't, right? Which is why he could be sacrificed in my place and yours. Believe that about him and you, and that's the gospel. And that's all you need to know. Sure, once you know it, you're going to want to know more. And if you don't want to know more, refer yourself back to AJB. Emphasis on A. Because if you're a true believer in Jesus Christ and you understand what God did for you on the cross, then you will want to share it. So here's what I'm going to ask. Start practicing. Do it around the dinner table. I already wrote tomorrow's email, and it's basically giving you a, a reminder to do it. Why? So that you can come to another three-letter acronym, FBN, and sh share what you've practiced. Because whatever you keep using, you will get better at. You know the hardest part of any of it? Inertia. It's you. You aren't choosing it. You're choosing something else. I can tell you there's not one football game on today that's worthwhile. <laughs> the wives are welcome. You know, I'm just saying, this is how you change little bit at a time. Don't look for the big win. Just make a decision in your heart. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I am the sinner. You were not. You did what you did for me, and I am very thankful, and now I want to share it. Practice and come join me at FBN. We got plenty of opportunities for you to share because there's at least 600 people here who aren't here right now every year. Let's pray. Love you, Lord. And I'm very, very thankful for, I don't know whether anybody's going to remember AJB or not, but I hope so, and I'm going to beat on it every chance I get, just like read your Bible. These are things that change our sinful behavior and enable us to be used by you to show the love that you had for us. For I pray it all in Jesus' name.